everyone. Thanks so much for joining us today on the Practicology Podcast, where we are putting the Bible to work in our everyday lives, and we pray in your lives as well. I'm joined by our co-host, Mike Knox. Mike, how are you doing today? Today, I'm feeling thankful and very excited about the ascension of Christ, Matthew, and I'm looking forward to sharing some of that excitement with our listeners. Well, I'm excited you're excited. This sounds interesting. Why don't you, right from the start, clarify what you have in mind by the ascension? Sure. So, 40 days after Jesus rose again, his resurrection, his disciples watched as he ascended from earth back to the heaven he had descended from at his incarnation or birth. He had come from the Father, and now he was returning back to the Father. And to be honest, the ascension is not the part of the gospel story we often focus on or get excited about. The incarnation, the birth of Christ, well, almost everyone gets excited about that one. And Christians, of course, uh, really appreciate the death of Christ on the cross. The resurrection, sometimes we do forget a little bit about how important it is, but generally we we correct ourselves and, and mention it as well. But what do we do with the ascension? Yeah, you're right. And it's a little bit strange because there's a sense in which everyone loves ascension stories, stories of people rising up and succeeding. Uh, we like underdog sports teams that win the championship. We like the stories of the the boy who had everything against him, but he becomes a really powerful lawyer or author. Yeah, that's right. Uh, in fact, uh, I remember talking about the ascension to a, a youth group once, and I asked them what kind of ascension stories they do get excited about that, that are just common to, to everyday life. And one young guy piped up and, and mentioned uh, the lift kit he'd purchased for his truck. All right. Well, that may be a little inclination that you might be a ways out in the boonies there, Mike, but that's okay. Uh, just take us a little bit further, though, what you have in mind with the Ascension. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it just shows those examples how intuitive and instinctive Ascension stories are for us. And what I want to do in this episode is connect our love for Ascension stories in everyday life with the ultimate ascension story when Christ visibly ascended up to heaven. Because that's what we're all about at Practicology Podcast is, is just bridging that gap from the world of the Bible to everyday life. And, and what better place to start with but NASA? Uh, President John F. Kennedy threw down the challenge. America would put a man on the moon by the end of the decade, the end of the 60s. And in a sense, uh, JFK actually had to die to make that happen, but never mind that for a moment. In the summer of 69, the world watched spellbound as the three-staged Saturn V rocket lifted off the ground. What a sight. I truly wish I could have been there to see it. But there's a sight I wish I could have seen even more, and that's the far greater sight witnessed by uh, star-struck observers 2,000 years earlier. And Luke records the scene at the end of his Gospel of Luke when Christ ascended up to heaven and it says the disciples, they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. I, I just want some of that original joy from the, the, the moment of the, the ascension of Christ. I want that to sort of rub off on us a little bit today and, and help us in our day to day. This ascension of this one man was and is good news for the world. Coming back to America's moonshot, John F. Kennedy said, it will not be one man going to the moon. It will be an entire nation. One man, or as it turned out, two men walking on the moon. But, but it was good news for the whole nation. Every American could take pride in, in, in the victory and in the accomplishment of their nation. 
And in a bigger sense, it was a win for democracy. If you know a little bit about the history of those times, the U.S. was in a, a race against the Soviets. It was pitched as a battle between democracy and communism. But more, not just a victory for the states, not just a victory for all who believe in democracy, but as Neil Armstrong famously said, that's one small step for a man and one giant leap for mankind. And every human can look up to that moon as I often do and, and just allow ourselves to marvel. Man has actually walked on the moon. And yet there's, there's a greater ascension story. And I want us to just to allow ourselves to wonder at this. A man, a man, one of our own, has not just walked on the moon, but has gone all the way to the top. One of ours now stands and sits in heaven as our representative. This is a victory for every human being who trusts in him. So let's, uh, Matthew, let's go through five images to help us get excited about the ascension. We're gonna see the ascension as a linchpin, as a punchline, as a laser level, as the ultimate regs to riches story, and as a navigational aid. Let me start with the ascension as a linchpin. I got this term from Robert Peterson. He points out that Luke wrote a two-volume work, first the Gospel of Luke and then the Book of Acts. And the first volume ends with the Ascension, and the second volume starts with the Ascension. In other words, the Ascension is the linchpin that holds Luke's two works together. But the first volume is all about what Jesus began to do on earth, and the second volume is about what he continued to do in heaven. So the ascension not only serves as a linchpin connecting the two volumes of Luke's literary work, but it's also the linchpin connecting Christ's work on earth with his ongoing work in heaven. As to his work on earth, the ascension shows it's real, it's valuable, it's legit. And Jesus himself in John 6 and 62 said, he said, then what if you were to see the son of man ascending to where he was before? In other words, the Lord's claiming here, if you see me ascending to where I was before, that's going to show you I am who, who I claim to be. And, and all my works here on earth are legit. They, they're, they're validated if the ascension takes place. So, so the ascension looks back at Christ's works on earth and validates them, vindicates him. But as to his work in heaven, the ascension facilitates it. By ascending back to heaven, Jesus can rule as Lord over the universe for the church's sake. By ascending back to heaven, Jesus could receive the promise of the Holy Spirit from the Father and send him down to his church. And uh, by the ascension, Jesus can be in heaven in, in the, the ultimate um, Holy of Holies, interceding as our high priest on our behalf. And finally, by the ascension, Jesus, being back in heaven now, can return to earth for the second coming. And in fact, that's what the angel said at his ascension. They, the, the disciples were gazing into heaven and these two men stood by in white robes and they said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who is taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So let's bring this back to us. Uh, do you hang your present and future life in eternity on the great events of Jesus' birth, life, death, and resurrection? then rejoice in the ascension because it vindicates the one who did those things as everything he claimed to be. And does the fact that Jesus is Lord, that he's in control, that he's the giver of the Holy Spirit, that he's your interceder and high priest, that he's coming back for you, do these 
truths really encourage you through the struggles of Christian life in a fallen world, then again, praise God for the ascension. Because if it weren't for the ascension, Jesus couldn't do any of these heavenly works for you. Yeah, that's excellent, Mike. I mean, his earthly work and his heavenly work are indeed vital, and they're both precious to us and needful. And uh, so glad, and you made a good case for how the ascension serves to hold those two together, his earthly ministry and his ongoing heavenly ministry. So that's the ascension as a linchpin, you said. What, what again is your second image from everyday life for us? Sure. Well, the second one is the ascension as a punchline. Uh, we're all familiar with evil characters and stories who let out this evil laugh. Uh, maybe I won't try to do one right now, but but nowhere did laughter sound more evil than at the cross of Christ. Leaders, soldiers, people, they mocked Jesus. They laughed him to scorn. And all this was, was simply the manifestation of, of Satan's evil gloating and twisted joy, uh, seeing what appeared to be the utter defeat of the Son of God. And all of us long for a moment to come and reverse all this. We long for the moment when evil's joy is interrupted, when the joker's chortle turns into a choke. And this is what the ascension is. It's the great reversal. Just like uh, Haman in the book of Esther gets escorted to his own gallows while Mordecai ascends to power. Just as Daniel comes up out of the lion's pit, while those who uh, plotted an evil against him go down into it, so Christ's ascension is God's great comedic punchline. The one who had come down so far, even to the shame of death on a cross, was now being lifted up and exalted as conqueror and champion over evil. Peter talks about this uh, in his great sermon at Pentecost. Uh, he points out David did not ascend into the heavens, but David himself says the Lord that's God the Father, said to my Lord, that's God the Son, the Lord Jesus, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. And so Peter says, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Paul mentions something similar in Ephesians 4.8. He, he says, uh, quoting Psalm 68, when Jesus ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. So the ascension tells us that the devil ain't laughing anymore and evil is on the run. Yeah, I mean, his death, his resurrection, and his ascension are part of that victory, and we're thankful for that. Now, as, as we record this, Mike, you know, there's just been uh, another shooting that has caused a lot of grief, understandably, and uh, the headlines, Mike, are so often bad. There's so much bad news out there. I'm thankful that the ascension is God's good news, God's punchline, showing us Christ's victory over sin and evil and death and the grave. Yeah, amen. And it gets better still because we can also think, thirdly, of the ascension as a laser level. Uh, laser levels can be used in construction, for example, where you see that laser line shining on the wall, that's where the suspended ceiling is going to end up, or, or where it intersects with the forms you're setting up, that's where the finished concrete floor will be. The laser light says, and marks out, this is where it's going to be. And it's the same for the ascension. Where will the believer end up when all this life is over, when God's great construction project is done? Well, let me read a, a couple of verses from Hebrews 6. It says, we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain, where Jesus has gone as a forerunner, a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. The ascension indicates how high believing humanity will rise. Jesus has entered heaven as humankind's representative. 
He's gone as our forerunner. And as a forerunner, his being there guarantees that his new humanity, everyone who trusts in him for salvation, will arrive there too. The ascension is a laser pointing us to our new destiny, eternity in the glad presence of God. And in fact, so certain does the ascension show our destiny to, to be that glorious that, that Paul says in Ephesians 2, we are already seated with Christ in heavenly places. So yeah, the ascension marks out our destiny. What, what good news for us today. And uh, just another picture, the ascension is the ultimate regs to riches story. We, we love these stories. I think I got this term from maybe Tim Chester. But uh, just for example, the amazing story of Charles Mulley. Uh, I'm sure many have heard of him. He's born in Kenya. And I think in the 60s as well, if I remember correctly, and abandoned by his family at age six. He survived those early years by begging on the streets. He couldn't afford secondary school, but somehow managed to get a job and just kept working and working and worked his way up and up until he had enough money to buy a car. And then he got the idea to start a public transport service. And, and from there, his business life took off from street kid to powerful, successful entrepreneur. It's just an echo of the Christ story. Jesus, born in a manger, living a modest life, ending in a shameful slave death on, on the cross. But then the ascension, rags to riches, nakedness to glory, the deepest pit to the highest heaven, the humble carpenter from Galilee rises to take the highest and most powerful seat in the universe. Uh, but back to Charles Molly, he there came a year when Molly sold all his businesses and devoted everything he had to help other street kids like himself. And he started the Molly Children's Family and he and his wife have taken in and helped thousands and thousands of other children escape poverty and homelessness. In other words, Molly's regs to riches story has become the regs to riches story of thousands of others. And in the same way, the Lord's reg to riches story becomes our regs to riches story too. In Christ, we who were poor and bankrupt and naked and destitute, in Christ, we have been blessed with every one of the Holy Spirit's blessings in the heavenly places. And one of those blessings is adoption. We've been adopted in Christ to the Father so that we are actually heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. That's good, Mike. And it's worthwhile pointing out there's an important difference in those two stories as well. Charles Mully didn't choose to be born in such poverty and suffering. That was a, a tragedy that happened to him. But our Lord's story is actually a richest to regs to riches story. Remember 2 Corinthians 8, Paul says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor so that you by his poverty might become rich. Yeah, great point, brother. Uh, had he not joined himself to us in our poverty, he could never join us to himself in his riches and rule in heaven. Well, let's just wrap up with one more image to help us get excited about the ascension. Number five, the ascension as a navigational aid. The ascension is like a directional sign. And you know how you're, if you're on the freeway or something, sometimes uh, to, to go say left, you actually have to turn right. It's counterintuitive. And so you need a sign or you'd never get to where you want to be. Well, the ascension is a navigation aid showing us the way, not left, but showing us the way up. Do you want to go up? Are you a social climber? Well, if you want to go up, the ascension says, you need to know the way there and it's the way down. And so Paul records in Philippians 2, the Lord Jesus being in the form of God, and he humbled himself and 
and came down, down. He took upon himself the form of a slave and, and uh, became obedient even to the point of death on the cross. And then what does it say next? Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The Lord Jesus has, has uh, pioneered a way up for us, and he's shown us the way to exaltation, the way to glory, the way uh, to receive the Father's uplifting and, and approval and, and exaltation is to take the way of love down in humble service for others. And so Jesus himself taught in Luke 14, he said, everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. I often say it this way, on earth we say what goes up must come down, and the law of gravity makes it so. But I like to think that heaven has another law, and perhaps another saying, where, where they say, whoever goes down willingly out of love for others must come back up. This isn't the law of gravity, but it's heaven's law of glory. And so the way up is down. Future glory comes to me, reward and exaltation and, and celebration will come to me in a coming day. If I, if I take the path that goes down, if I, if I walk the way of the cross in my marriage, if I put my wife first in my family, if I serve my children and sacrifice my own interests for them, if I serve Christ's church and give myself and love my brothers and sisters, if we serve our neighbors, um, if there's a conflict to, to uh, resolve that, that you're facing in your life right now, do you know the way up? It's the way down. If we need to confront someone, if we need to correct someone, we go down. We go down to their feet. We come in humility. Um, this, is, this is the way up. So, Matthew, just those five pictures then. Hopefully, if we can remember them and, and something of the truth of them, it'll help us get excited about the ascension. The ascension is a linchpin connecting Christ's heavenly work with his earthly work. It's uh, the Lord's punchline showing his ultimate defeat over evil. It acts like a laser level showing us this is how far every believer is going to go. We're going to end up in the very intimate presence of God. It's a rags to riches story that spells a rags to riches story for us. And, and finally, it's a navigational aid. It shows us the way up to exaltation is the way down in humble, sacrificial service for others. It's great stuff, Mike. It's so valuable. And we appreciate you sharing your excitement about an often neglected subject, the ascension of Christ. And thanks for that reminder about heaven's law of glory and how the way up is the way down. Everyone, thanks for joining us today. Uh, we're not going to prematurely bring Christ back down from glory in our next episode. We are appreciating his ongoing ministry. We look forward to his coming, of course. But in our next episode, we're going to think about another aspect of his earthly ministry and his compassion, the tears of the Lord Jesus. We hope you'll tune in again for that next episode. And we thank you for listening to the Practicology Podcast today. And we hope you all have a great day. God bless everyone. <laughs>